0: Welcome ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and prefer not to disclose back to the Undressing Underground Podcast.
1: My leg's falling asleep. Hi.
0: Hello. And sorry if <coughs> Sorry if anybody missed us last week. We had some technical difficulties between Sarah Century and I and uh Hey Bella. Little Kitty. Um and today's special guest interviewer, uh Katie Ryan. <laughs> Bella, you're being so vocal today. <laughs> um uh, Maybe
1: Bella wants to interview. Can can she interview a creative cat from the cat world. I mean, how
0: are cats being affected by the Trump administration?
1: <laughs> Trump wants to ban all cats from entering the country. <laughs> He's going to build a wall. Only if... They, they smuggle catnip into the country, you know? great right, Bella?
0: There are some, like, really expensive cats people buy from Middle Eastern countries and stuff. I don't know how I feel about people buying cats instead of adopting all the ones that are here. Bougie motherfuckers. But... Uh, You, Katie. Hello. Let's talk about you. Hey. <laughs> that was trying to bite me now. Katie, let's talk about you.
1: Okay. What do you want to talk about?
0: <laughs> Who are you?
1: Who am I? I'm Rob's girlfriend. Hmm. I've never been on this podcast before, but I was interested in it, so I did an interview with a friend. Um,
0: What about you, though?
1: I'm an asian american i was born in uh korea but i was adopted when i was like six months old so been here my whole life um i guess rob is kind of trying to lead into why i would be relevant to this particular series um
0: i mean you don't have to be i mean i'm not any of these things (laughs) But, I mean, because you have certain experiences that are relevant to what we're talking about in general.
1: Yeah. Oh, the campaign stuff. Yeah. So the campaign
0: stuff and just your lived experience, like, you've you've dealt with the repercussions of a Trump administration as well. Yeah. Or campaign. Well, I've
1: always been super political and interested in politics and followed them closely. Um, I grew up in a really small town in South Jersey, and there weren't a lot of, like, minorities, really? Um, so, I don't know, I've had a lot of, like, racist encounters with people, um, or I should say I was kind of, like, the, on the receiving end of that, and, um, yeah, just, I, I kind of, in a way, already knew what it was like to live in Trump's America, because, Mm. (laughs) I, this sounds really bad, I hope no one from South Jersey is into this, (laughs) but, yeah, I just, Um, The more rural you get In an area I think the more uh, Conservative and like Ignorant and racist It gets so anyway um, Yeah I followed politics closely And then at a certain point um, I was always kind of Following stuff on Facebook And pretty vocal online And I kind of got really frustrated and decided um, I don't want to be a keyboard slacktivist anymore. <laughs> um, I just watched a lot of people that I knew who were really intelligent and had really good opinions and um, a lot to say about the stuff that was going on in this country, but didn't really do anything about it aside from posts on Facebook or Twitter. So. One day I was just like, okay, how can I get involved? And um, Bernie Sanders, obviously, um, was a great, like, opportunity for that outlet. And I uh, started volunteering on his campaign. I did some volunteer coordination stuff with that and blah, 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 just a bunch of boring stuff. Um,
0: what does that mean? We. <laughs> Like, because if somebody's interested in getting involved in that campaign, what exactly does that mean? Do you work? Cause I, I mean, the volunteers. When I was a, a organizer for the Pennsylvania Democrats, I was like recruiting volunteers to just make phone calls and knock on doors. Like, what do you mean? I didn't really have anybody do anything else except for maybe some like office work and stuff, or to drive people around and check on people at polls. Like, what so you're doing? So I was doing. Really
1: no, well, with Bernie. I, on Bernie's campaign, I was doing stuff remotely. Um, Most of it was, I was on a team that was um, taking, basically doing orientations for new volunteers that were in the field. So we were kind of like the liaison between um, campaign staff and then field volunteers. Hmm. Um, So a lot of it was like kind of highlighting people that we thought were, maybe going to be good for the grassroots movement in certain areas. And then I started doing work on state call teams, which was more specifically geared for states like the primary states, Nevada, Iowa, stuff like that. Um, Caucus, I mean, caucus states, stuff like that. Um, States that were really important where we needed a lot of groundwork laid down. Um, and then i did some work for a congressional campaign um
0: for a primary right
1: yeah for the primary um and then i took a job here in pennsylvania um with a super (laughs) PAC, and people don't like that word but they also kind of don't understand um which is kind of bernie's fault because he kind of you know demonized them but he has his own now (laughs) yeah not yeah. bernie has his own i mean Bernie took super PAC money from Hillary, so he was never clean either. Um, but yeah, I mean, super PACs are. Yeah, there's a shit ton of money involved, but, you know, some of them do do good work for progressives, and um, we were trying to boost progressives up and down the ballot, so um, we were rooting for Hillary, obviously, and then Katie McGinty here in Pennsylvania, as well as other candidates that we thought were going to do the right thing and we lost miserably right rob
0: (laughs) yeah we don't talk much about uh what we did on those campaigns because that would be illegal but (laughs) because i worked for the pennsylvania democrats coordinated campaign with hillary clinton so technically that would be coordination i guess um
1: Kidding, we need you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, it's a lot of work. I mean, I was working like upward of 70, 80 hours a week, but...
1: Rob worked a lot harder <laughs> than I worked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but, um...
1: He worked his butt off.
0: But it's it is it's enjoyable if you know what you're doing, like, because you work with... I mean, I was working in an extremely poor area, and I met some just amazing people. I met. I worked with a lot of people that just had no money that this is all they were doing. And But, yeah, I mean, on Election Day alone, I can say I helped probably at least 100 people get to the polls and vote that day, which, I mean, I barely even made it myself, but um, it's it's very helpful. And if you want to get involved, uh, go to, like, your state party's website if you're interested in working for Democrats or whatever party. I mean, the Green Party and all that has them too. I... It's not my bag, but
1: not even that. I mean, if you want to get involved, I would I'm not saying you shouldn't be active in like social media and you know have a presence online, but like take it further than that, like make phone calls to your like state reps, make yeah you know what's write the website you use letters um oh, I got it from a friend, um five states or no five calls. Five
0: There's a bunch of
1: websites out there where you can just kind of just Google. If you're listening to this, you obviously know how to listen to a <laughs> podcast. So you should be um, vaguely familiar with Googling things to get things done. So, yeah, I mean, the way that I started was just looking for a candidate whose ideals match mine and, you know, just kind of trying to see, like, where we can fit in. And pretty much every candidate, it's...
0: Yeah, This includes the primaries, which is what I was getting at before. Yeah,
1: I mean, even small town, like, it doesn't have... To, you don't have to volunteer for someone like, you know, Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton or someone big like that. A lot of times the most important work is local. So um, congressional campaigns, state representatives... Um, counsel people, stuff like that. Just help help them. You can usually sign up for their newsletters. They'll send you emails until you want to die. <laughs> um, and um, usually they have some kind of volunteer intake f- like form where you can just kind of send them an email and say, here's some things that I'm good at. I can do Microsoft Word. I can do Microsoft Excel. I can knock on people's doors. I can make you flyers for events like whatever you have to offer they usually want so
0: and if and yeah on a crucial campaign i mean that could be even more important i assume because they'll have less capacity but even if it's like i would have loved if, if i had found a volunteer to new excel and could have helped me do all these fucking spreadsheets i had to create to keep track of all the volunteers i had coming in and going out i would have loved them just get involved just go to your locals at the, at the very least if you want to get involved go to your state party's website and just click to volunteer um and they'll reach out to you they'll get you and they'll put you in the system and somebody will call you and they'll call you and call you and call you and email you, and email you. but they will reach out to you because we do need help
1: As far as other ways to get involved too, though, like right now I think the biggest thing that's relevant to this time after the election where things are the way they are now, I think, um, and I kind of talked to Dane about this a little bit in my interview with him, um, is just being active in some of these protests um, but taking it a step further, like we went to... um, what was it? Was it the Women's March that day? There
0: was the People's Inauguration.
1: Or, yeah. Um, we went to a march, and it kind of ended with a rally. And there's so many different, like, things going on. Maybe not in... If you don't live in a city, maybe. But, yeah, just look it up. Be on Facebook. Look up some events and stuff. Go out there. And the one thing that you can do, though, is instead of just going, you have to also sign up to volunteer or participate in meetings or you know don't just march for the sake of marching and being like I'm here that's not like that's cool and it's good to have that momentum but you also have to be able to be willing to take it a step further and talk to some of the leaders of the the marches um talk to some of the people who are organizing these things because they're always looking for um volunteers and you know people to make signs and just other ways to get involved
0: yeah so i think that about covers what we could talk about um, without getting <laughs> into trouble um, yeah I'm... so why don't we move on then to your talk with um did you introduce dane already
1: i don't um So I talked to Dane this week. He's a friend of mine. Um, We went to high school together. He is a local artist. Well, actually, he moved to Chicago. We'll talk a little bit about that. Um, But yeah, he is um, someone I've known for a really long time. And we both um, were interested in screenwriting and playwriting and stuff like that. But he kind of continued with it, went to school for it, um, for theater and everything and, um, has been very successful so far. Um, he's one of the most creative people I know. And, um, it was really nice catching up with him and he'll talk a little bit about, um, how he thinks, um, theater and his medium of art is going to be affected by Trump. Um, And also about some other little things that are, um, some of the projects that he's been involved in and stuff like that, so...
2: officially
1: start? (laughs) Yeah, we can go. We're good to go. Lol. (laughs) So, yeah, uh, this is Dane Eisler, and um, he's going to tell us a little bit about what he does and who he is and um, some stuff that he's been involved in. Yeah.
2: Um, So, as Katie said, my name is Dane Eisler, and uh, uh, apart from doing other art like paint and stuff, I'm primarily a theater artist. I... um, i'm kind of a what is the censorship on this thing can i say the?
1: oh you can say fuck shit whatever oh, you, good, yeah no great, it's totally cool, cool. <laughs> awesome
2: <laughs> um so i'm a theater artist horror kind of i write perform <laughs> direct teach, design do puppet do clown stuff um and i do it uh i do it actually i'm based in chicago now i've been there almost two years this coming wow. year will be two oh my years God, that's been a while. and um but I still bebop back and forth to Philly, so I'm legally still allowed to use the word John and not be weird. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and some of the things I've done um, in Philly, I did uh, I did a couple shows with um, Brat and Azuka. I co-directed um, a Tennessee Williams play, Stairs to the Roof, with Ego Poe, which got right. great reviews.
1: And, and just um, for people's reference, where is Ego Poe? Because I've heard of it, but I have no idea where it is.
2: Poe is in Philadelphia. Uh they're based on Vine Street. Um okay. but this year they're all their performances are at the Latvian Society on okay. 7th and Spring Garden. So um like Spring Garden. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Hook. Um and then I moved to Chicago uh with my roommate um and uh we produced a couple pieces, did some sketch comedy stuff. Uh and now I'm back on the East Coast until April um, for like a three four month uh, artistic business trip with Egopo Classic Theater. Okay. Um, right. where I'm yeah I'm teaching elementary schoolers how to art. And, <laughs> and, um, I directed my own adaptation of Nikolai Gogol's The Nose. And- I heard
1: about that. That sound. I wanted to see it, but we were out of town. But that sounded awesome. Yeah
2: it was it was a really good time it's t- so it's a mid-season benefit uh, cabaret style kind of thing right and we only had like seven days to like rehearse and oh, it's like an God. hour and change show um three musical numbers that the cast played themselves so like <laughs> the fact that it they first of all did it and then did it so fucking well i'm like <laughs> happy daddy happy daddy um <laughs> That's-
1: that's awesome. Yeah. And did you, you did all like the, did you do the props for that too? Like the I nose? Did I know there was a nose that was like the, saw that dancing yeah. around. and
2: Not that people can see this. <laughs> but yeah, I did. um Yeah, I, there was like a prop nose, a wearable nose, and then a giant like head nose because the nose goes around saying it's a public official. And um, <laughs> yeah. That reminds uh, after... me of
1: uh, V for Vendetta. I don't know if you remember like each section each part of government in V for Vendetta was like the ears the eyes the i don't think there was the Uh-oh. nose but there was you know
2: funny <laughs> um, huh i need to rewatch that that would be so good to watch like now
1: yeah I, I guess it was more featured in like the graphic novel than it was in the movie i oh, guess okay. they mentioned it a bit but yeah i was i forgot mm. i usually watch that every single november 5th cuz i'm a fucking geek but <laughs> uh but Anyway, so, so yeah, you've been back and forth between uh, Chicago and Philly, and mm-hmm. uh, sounds like you've been involved in a lot. So, um, so moving on, um, how do you... I guess before we get into, like, Trump and everything, I'll just kind of ask you some general stuff. But um, yeah. being involved in the arts and everything, um, what issues do you think, you know, resonate with you the most, and how are you staying informed through everything?
2: Yeah, um... So the issues that resonate with me the most that's that's actually a really hard question because I'm <laughs> um I'm a very uh sensitive empathetic person mm. so I tend to get like swept up by literally each passing like wave of, of a movement right. even like the tiniest ripple I'm like yeah <laughs> um, and uh but I guess the ones that um have uh, All are important. That's a good way to start. Um, But the two that I'm most scared about, I guess, the ones that really kind of viscerally tighten the sphincter, as they say, (laughs) are, um, one, the proposition to eliminate the NEA and uh, the National Endowment of the Arts and nationalize PBS and NPR. Um, That scares the shit out of me. Yes. Um,
1: and then the other one
2: is, of course, uh, LGBTQA, LMNOP rights and protections. <laughs> and um, and um, I'll start with the NEA one because it's a longer blah, blah, blah. But it's like it's it reminds me of um, a political, um, a budget proposal from 2017. Right. Um, I think it was called the... The Blueprint for Balance of Federal Budget. Um, okay. It was made by a conservative foundation called the Heritage Foundation. And um, it was like they said something along the lines of uh, actors, artists, and academics, are no uh, they don't deserve um, federal subsidies any more than counterparts in other fields, something like that, which is like mm-hmm. touche, fair argument, <laughs> except like – Arts are kind of like they're a cultural reflection of society. That arts are not like other jobs. They right. don't. Sure, you can do without arts, but like, who goes to an ancient ruin to look at the plumbing? Right. I mean, I'm sure someone does <laughs> that I, I'm not I the- Yeah, I'm sure <laughs> there is
1: like one person out there that does.
2: <laughs> yeah, like I'm really into historical plumbing, um, <laughs> but like, I don't know. They're they're not only a reflection of um like societal progress, but like it's it's criticism. It's it's a whole combination of sociology, media, expression, education, almost spirituality. It's like definitely. It's uh, and then to nationalize PBS and NPR. And of course these are like just hardcore 90% probably gonna happen speculation. So I can't say it's gonna happen because we're only at 90% probably. Um but uh
1: knock on wood who knows with on all wood. Shit going on? Me,
2: but uh, i've got a pencil um but pbs and NPR to nationalize like the news right that's scary yeah that's
1: i scary. i completely agree with that i was reading about that uh, a couple weeks ago and like it freaks it freaks me out <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it reminds me of like just feels like russia just yep i mean scary. slowly
2: but surely i guess yeah um <laughs> So and then um, with the with the LGBTQA rights and protections, um, uh, well, I I identify with the B part, right? Um, but I've also um, comparatively, I have it a little easier than um, some other people in the demographic because I am a uh, white cis male person, right? Um, but. Uh, It's just like like my family or some of my family lives in North Carolina where I am legally like not an equal. I am a second class citizen um, in North Carolina. And to have that federally across the board, that's just is terrifying. I'm
1: sure What?
2: they're not extra rights. Ben Carson. Is it Ben Carson (laughs) who said that? I, th- I don't remember
1: How, I mean I wouldn't put it past him.
2: There's so much that's happened. I'm I'm probably right. I don't know. Oh um, it's it's
1: so hard to keep. Don't worry, no one's gonna be judging you for that. Just, it's it's so hard to keep up these days, but
2: Yeah, they're not extra rights, they're equal rights, dipshit. Yeah. Um But um yeah, and then staying informed is the hard part that I've been struggling with because um It's easy to stay uh, I guess it's easy to stay informed in the sense that you know something's up, right? But then to find credible sources, Um right. That's where the challenge comes in, because like you can stay informed about like how George Bush fucked an alien and, and his wife really mad about it, sure, but it might not be true. Yeah. Uh, I that's a good
1: point. Was. That's a that is a really good point. I <coughs> I think that's something that. At least I've been pretty uh, interested in mainly just yeah. because there's so much, you know, with Facebook just shit flo- floating around and it's it's hard yeah. to really narrow things down. And, you know, there's there's a handful of people that are still fighting for credible sources and making sure that you're not getting your mm-hmm. news from like the people that just look at the onion and think that's real because <laughs> yeah, oh those people still exist oh god exist. what did he say
2: today <laughs> um the the, the sean yeah. spicer retweeted the onion oh my god uh, yeah <laughs> sean spicer's role in the trump administration will be to provide the american public with robust and clearly articulated misinformation yeah. and he retweeted you nailed it period
1: yeah and then they there's More, a um, i think kellyanne um, conway did something similar too, where she apparently awesome. looks at the onion and like thinks it's a real thing or Oh my god! Anyway, but
2: yeah, and I, I, I personally, um, I'm not Republican or Democrat, uh, but I clearly lean liberal. Right. Um, but that being said, I think it. I think, um, in terms of credible news sources, um, both liberal and conservative news sources need to take a chill pill. Oh um, yeah, it's all yeah. across. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's. It's tricky. So I guess my way of staying informed is like quadruple check sources. Um, I follow the Ike and Tina Turner rule of um, <laughs> I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. Um, and it's like, all right, I, I watch a lot of interviews and then I watch the actions of those same people and see if they correlate. They, yeah. yeah. And usually they don't. Um, <laughs> yeah so yeah that's that's kind of been my rule of thumb like just listen and research
1: right well i think that's a good just, way to approach it <laughs> especially yeah. i don't know everything's just been um it's hard when all of this news is coming at us so fast and i don't know if like i have updates on my phone where it alerts me different news outlets and just like one after another and I don't know mm-hmm. it's intimidating so um, yeah uh, so how do you feel like your theater and everything that you're involved in um, how do you think it's gonna be affected under Trump under his administration I mean obviously I would assume you ha- are hesitant about the coming four years in some oh months. yeah
2: um, well let's see if he makes it a year first um, Then we. <laughs> yeah. can- and we can deal with um, Mr. Pence um, But uh, Yeah I th- I think um, In terms of like Budgeting and artists making a living That's where it's going to be super challenging Right. Because um, I don't think they realize Even though the NEA takes up Like barely a percentage Of the national funding okay. um, It's like those are people's incomes those are jobs so you're eliminating jobs um so and granted i mean it's no see i'm I'm sure a lot of theater people would agree like it's not yeah. the easiest finance like fiscally it's a hard career choice to begin with lifestyle yeah, yeah. um like theater people are survivors it's like that that <laughs> meme that's like Theater's been dying for like 2,000 years and it still has died like so we're survivors um, so but it's gonna be a little more um, In terms of lifestyle, uh, it's gonna be a challenge. Um, but in terms of the art that gets generated um not to diminish the severity of everything that's happening, um, I'm so excited for the art <laughs> that's going to get generated in the next four years. It's going to be so fucking edgy and exciting. Yeah. Um, like art and especially theater tend to really go ham like in times of like political and social turmoil. Mm. And um, and I know they said that was going to happen during the Bush era, the W, mm-hmm. um, but everyone eventually kind of settled and just got complacent. So the art kind of just Settled yeah um but already i've seen so many like political cartoons um someone did a, an adaptation of brecht's um resistible rise of Artur- of arturo ui which is based on um hitler's rise to power but uh done through a um the lens of like a green grocer in chicago who takes <laughs> over the vegetable market um and uh, but they they adapted it so it was like the resistible rise of like T J Trump or uh, D J Drumpf or uh-huh. like something like that. I don't remember the title, but right. Um, yeah. And we- yeah, I guess the flavor is just going to get more political, more active, more um, emotional, more heartfelt, more honest.
1: Yeah. No, more I spicy. I agree, and and yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with kind of at least finding a little glimmer of hope in that, and like just yeah. Uh, a little enjoyment uh i think it's kind of important it's what we all sort of need um mm. but yeah i mean we were just watching the young pope uh last night yeah. and that I still need to watch it that is um that was interesting because it's like watching trump um which is <laughs> kind of terrifying <laughs> so can you
2: imagine trump as pope oh god
1: <laughs> no i can and i oh god it makes me so uncomfortable it, it's uncomfortable to even watch him on our televisions standing behind a flag and like just uh Mm -hmm. terrifying
2: it's weird it's so weird (laughs) (laughs)
1: um so (laughs) compared to before um was there anything before trump um kind of came to power that you were doing that involved politics like in your creative process and how do you expect that uh you'll be kind of incorporating that like moving forward
2: I actually wasn't too terribly political uh before okay this <laughs> <laughs> this capital bold underlying italicized. um and uh yeah i was al- i was always um super anti establishment right. almost Especially because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Because like in a high school where you're like, I don't want to vote for anybody. So let's do Gary Johnson. And then he this year he pulls that Aleppo crap, and you're like, what the fuck did I do? Um,
1: it's like the kid that vote wanted for him this me. Year, yeah,
2: yeah, I didn't vote for him this year. Um, d- duh. Yeah. Uh, God no. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I I don't I'm I'm a baby in the political um, the active political life kind of thing. Um, yeah, I was inspired by a very hip young man named Bernie Sanders. And um, <laughs> and uh, so obviously now it's like – it's almost like politics second, uh, humanity first. Right.
1: Um,
2: like politics is just the legal expression of humanity is how I like to see it. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's always on my mind. Um, my work tends to be um, – Has always tended to be a little fantastical A little epic in scope Um, I don't really do living room dramas Like a show I did in Chicago this past year Was um, conjoined fetuses uh, get born And then they go back to the womb and sew themselves (laughs) It's terrifying And then one of them goes out to find it So the other one has to leave when he's 40 years old And like find his fetus twin (laughs) That Um, sounds great So it's not a living room drama
1: Right, Uh, (laughs) no, no, no
2: But, like, I can guarantee if I had written it this year, um, something political would have ended up in there. Like, if it's on the shelf in your brain, it's going to end up on the page. Right. Um, and, like, I I feel like arts have always just kind of been like that. Even if you don't try to write political, it's going to be inherently political. Um, right. Wally Sean had a really great interview, um, the other day, a playwright, um, and the voice of T-Rex in Toy Story. And, um. (laughs) And he was talking about how in Grecian days plays were still like even in Grecian days political theater was the biggest thing like plays yes. about kings and armies and um, it's
1: all the rage.
2: Yeah, it's always bound to be inherently political. And it kind of goes back to the last question, like because the politics are so like percolating and bubbling and fury written, it's like that's going to reflect in the art.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, I think that's a big part of this too. Everything this during this election and even obviously now, uh, there's so much emotional bubbling and it's good to see that. Um, and I think that's really what drove like Bernie's campaign and, you know, even to some extent Trump, I guess. Um, yeah. So Yeah. yeah, it's, it's interesting to see how that comes out in people's work and, uh, yeah and what they're advocating for
2: <laughs> yeah and so I guess to answer your question in a shorter way um it's it's more like my process isn't gonna change i'm politics is a part of me now, so it's gonna show up
1: right okay yeah no that's that's an that's a good way to put it, and like in terms of like a cultural shift which we kind of went over um in film and theater and music and all of that um is there anything that you've seen? Um, already that's really excited you Oh yeah, or that is coming out that you're you're interested to see
2: i guess the thing that i'm really excited to see is uh like i said because i haven't seen um i haven't gotten to see much is just people's passion and like people aren't tiptoeing around uh hot topics anymore yeah like they don't want bullshit anymore they want (laughs) truthful visceral Experiences. They want opinions. They want spice. They want deep, pure, emotional, ridiculous, exciting art. Right. Um, and it's like, yeah, art's not just a coasting through life thing anymore. It is almost. It's in your a,
1: face and out there.
2: Yeah, yeah. I think the purpose of art, especially in these coming years, is going to be very important to a lot of people, Right. whether they like it or not. <laughs>
1: They, they're they gonna have to take it <laughs> yep. um awesome so yeah i mean that's good to hear that you are you know staying informed and everything and i think your perspective is really um interesting i think that that's all very true and it it is exciting and scary and terrifying <laughs> yeah. all at once so you know we'll just see what yeah. happens um have you had a chance while you're in Philly to go to any of the protests or like seen I mean, no,
2: cause I had rehearsal and, <laughs> uh, uh, which I guess in a way, especially seeing as the NEA is, is being threatened is a form of protest. I'm stretching it, but, um, yeah, I really wanted to go. I actually, after I was done teaching last Thursday, um, I was walking, uh, from South Philly to North Philly cause I, I like walking mm-hmm. and, um, I went through center city to try and like join really quick before rehearsal i couldn't find it i guess they <laughs> were marching already so like and the streets were closed down and like i was looking real hard and i guess i was just on the wrong streets at the wrong time like story of my life um you can't even find the protest
1: <laughs> yeah no the perimeter they had set up was fucking crazy yeah, i was like,
2: how'd you get in
1: yeah we were going to new jersey trying to get on 95 south and just every on-ramp to to 95 south in the city was blocked off like by a police car mm-hmm. and uh, i think we just missed his like motorcade too or whatever which no, i'm please. glad because fuck him yeah <laughs> but um yeah Gross. no it was tight security i mean um but yeah the I was trying to go to the protest at the airport, but we couldn't make that. Um Yeah. But I was but, able to
2: make one early on in Chicago, but yeah, I, I've just been kinda tied up to get to get out to one now.
1: Yeah. I mean it's good though. I'm I am very pleased to see that there are these opportunities to go to protests oh my God. because like every
2: day. Yeah,
1: and it's- I was afraid that wasn't gonna happen and I'm so glad to see it um, you know, manifesting. Yeah. the thing
2: the thing I've kind of been uh, telling people as butthurt as I am that (laughs) Bernie wasn't the nominee
1: um,
2: I really do think he was almost like a serendipitous um, Moment in our national history Mm -hmm. Like being him at the time That he ran because like He almost prepared us for this
1: Yeah, I I think um, I volunteered on his campaign and then obviously worked on campaign for progressives before. And I do think that he played an important role and it was Mm -hmm. almost in some ways weird timing, but I think overall pretty good timing for him to sort of I mean, it's not like he just popped up out of nowhere, but it is (laughs) it was good for him to be so on such a national like platform and inspire so many people. He and... was
2: like, he was like the mega condom, preparing <laughs> for the pustule-ridden, diseased, trump. Yes. Corpus.
1: Oh my god! Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's we're not gonna edit that one out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So, I'm glad. I'm glad that he and i'm so glad that he's still fucking doing like he hasn't stopped since you know what? he's still going that man is just like fucking man yeah <laughs> his immune sick. system must be great i've been sick like i don't know how many times since all this happened and i know, me too how old is he you know like i don't know he, takes he his probiotics. He probably fuck me up <laughs> yeah he's a new yorker i mean yeah yeah they're strong um so what's what's next for you what's going on uh i know you're working on something now but anything kind of got yeah, going? yeah um
2: we're actually uh we just wrapped up tech for chekhov's the seagull
1: okay. which is like oh awesome. yeah
2: it's like when's the next time you're gonna get the chance of performing the seagull right yeah. um and that's with egopo classic theater at the latvian society in philly like i said on 7th and spring garden right across from uh, the Edgar Allan Poe house
1: oh uh, shit okay I know
2: yeah um, previews are February 1st and 2nd um, the run is uh, February 3rd through 19th and um, yeah it's it's going to be su- an opening night sold out so don't even try to get tickets for the 3rd yeah uh, <laughs> But uh, but every other night, go go see it go, and um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely gonna try to go to that now. <laughs>
2: it's yeah, it's super cool. It's like they're doing it as like a, a pseudo immersive. Like you walk through the dressing room, you get served champagne, and you go oh. lakeside. And see this expressionist, like, or this uh, symbolist version of this classic play, and it, it's really beautiful. The cast is ridiculously talented, and the design team just like it's, all it's, it's out. Yeah. they've done is absurdly beautiful awesome. um yeah and then uh when i get back to chicago um my roommate and a friend of ours from college uh just opened a theater company called a dead whale productions <laughs> and, um, cool. and uh yeah we challenge and diversify traditional theatrical convention awesome. um with new and culturally relevant works created by all means necessary. Hashtag mission statement. <laughs> and, um, yeah, we got, a we got an artistic residency with Gorilla Tango theater. Oh. So we'll be doing our first official three show season, starting with, um, a, a fill in the blank play that I wrote, um, called Apocalypse Twins, which will be in May. Um, uh, a film noir styled show starring rats and roaches from the sewer called Hog's <laughs> Belly which I'll be directing and my roommate wrote Tyler Garamella wrote um, which would go up in July and then um, a recrafted version of a show I, I wrote and put up in college called I Love You Jane Doe in October
1: so, um, I wish I lived so, in in Chicago <laughs> it's going to be, be a good season that, yeah
2: it's gonna be cool and um yeah and uh yeah it's gonna be cool and hopefully we'll get the nose like maybe we'll we've had a lot of um requests to bring it to philly for fringe so we'll see what happens
1: oh that Uh, would be nice yeah i i would i really was no lie like kind of beating myself up for not getting to see that it looked really cool i I just like the the look of it and i don't know
2: yeah it, it was raucous. It was, it was
1: fun <laughs> awesome so um is there anything else that um do you have a website right where we can yeah, kind of touch up um, with you and what you're doing so
2: yeah you can find me on facebook um don't request me request my page um <laughs> uh because if i don't know who you are you're not getting in um but uh yeah so d-a-n-e e-i-s-s-l-e-r that's my name this is a podcast so you can rewind i think i don't know um <laughs> And then my website is, uh, go to www.daneisler.com and uh, you'll be able to get redirected to another website that is actually my website because <laughs> I have no idea how technology works and I'm in the process of figuring out how to transfer my domain name. Um, and uh, yeah, and then on Instagram, DM Isler. Um, and then if you want to follow a Dead Whale Productions on Facebook, just type in a Dead Whale Productions. Um, our website is com, and then we're on Instagram, a dead whale.
1: Um, <laughs> Just a dead whale.
2: <laughs> a dead whale. Yeah. I, it, was, it was so stupid. Yeah. Um, the company name was uh, my roommate and I, when we were at Rowan um, for school, uh, we had our famous or our infamous vodka night. And we were like, <laughs> what stupid theater company names can you think? And like, I don't remember the other ones. It was like gaping pustule. It was like stupid (laughs) names. And then I think I said a dead whale and we just cracked up. And then this, that was like four or five years ago. And this year we were thinking of names and that got brought up and we were like, yeah. And my only hesitation was sober. I realized that a dead whale is not a pleasant thing to look at, Um, (laughs) which is part of the allure of our company. Like it's a misnomer. It's like, it's big, it's stinky, it's rotting, don't look at it. So come see our shows. But um to kind of level the karma playing field, uh what we're in the process of looking for um uh pro whale conservation like organizations. Oh,
1: that's um, that's a really cool idea.
2: Yeah, so we're bringing awareness to uh actual dead, dead whales. whales,
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. Cool. so that's that
1: well that's a good thing to balance out everything <laughs> i
2: know yeah um, gotta please the karma
1: gods you have to, you should make a, a cute little symbol for your just like a happy dead whale like just a little animated happy dead whale
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's just like blowing kisses yeah <laughs> all Close. right
1: well awesome uh yeah no thank you so much again for just taking the time and everything. Um, of course. Thank you. I'm glad that you're keeping up and doing all this stuff. And I always see, you know, on Facebook, you're, I mean, not, I don't know. I Facebook, I think is a good indication sometimes. I mean, I don't feel that everyone is just doing things for show or anything, but yeah, mm. I love to see people that are, you know, interested in going to events and, and sharing things. And you've always been someone who shares things and puts your, opinion out there so that's something yeah. i respect a lot we
2: call those facebook addicts yes um, <laughs> yeah no yeah i try
1: i try <laughs> all right Jane. thanks again and that's it anyway we'll edit out whatever <laughs> <So>. <laughs> awesome.
0: join us again next week for more conversations with rob and sarah century if you have any suggestions or interviews you would like to perform, reach out to us on Twitter or at rob undressingunderground.com.